Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, I want to welcome everyone. And today is Wednesday, my favorite day of the week. I love the show. And today promises to be fabulous. Today... We have Laura Eisenhower as the guest speaker. Last week, we had Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and she was fabulous. Today, I expect the same of Laura. Now, I want to just read a little bio of Laura before I bring her on the show. She is, this is a very short bio, and hopefully various elements in the bio she will actually be talking and expanding upon for, for all of you. Anyway, Laura is a global alchemist a cosmic mythologist, and an intuitive astrologist. She's internationally acclaimed speaker who's presented her work worldwide, and she is the great-granddaughter of President Dwight David Eisenhower. She is considered by many to be one of of North America's leading researchers on health, exopolitics, alchemy, metaphysics, and ancient history. Feeling a calling regarding her mission since she was a child, she has gained incredible insight through experience, psychic development, and research about how to guide us into higher earth energies. Her passion is to inspire unity consciousness and to bring us back to, now I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but we'll find out from Laura in a moment, the pleroma, or the totality of our divine powers. So, Laura, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, Janet. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I have a lecture uh, at the event, uh, the Contact in the Desert event, which is the 29th to the 31st of May at Joshua Tree. And my first lecture is called Gaia Sophia ETs and Timelines. And that might be a little bit unfamiliar to people. Like, okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, basically, um, it's, it's really to help people navigate in these times that we're in. I mean, we're in a very powerful uh, window period that helps us to really advance ourselves on our paths, you know, on our soul development path, on our spiritual paths, on waking up to, you know, who we truly are. And it really is about our authenticity and being, you know, just fully ourselves um, and, and feeling empowerment, you know, connected with that. And so what I discuss in this lecture has a lot to do with some of the things that make it difficult um, that we're born into and that, you know, we all sort of face on our journeys. Um, and, you know, some of, uh, some, some deeper information about, you know, where some of these manipulations come from. Right. So, um, you know, there's just a lot about just how we can navigate, you know, during these times, you know, with a lot of self-awareness and a lot of awareness about just our world at large, you know, a lot of stuff that's been, you know, maybe kept from us things we didn't learn in the school systems that can help to open our eyes a little bit. Um, I talk about DNA. I talk about things like stargates and our multidimensional energy and what's happening organically and cosmically to help us to break free of certain things that we've grown accustomed to that have been passed down generation to generation that sometimes we don't even question because, you know, to us it just feels normal. You know, and it's not until certain life events happen 
um, where, you know, we're, we're opened up into something broader and vaster that we begin to see that there's a lot more to our reality than we thought. And so it's just sort of helping people to be comfortable in what that means and what is, you know, kind of out there. And because it's very much about per- a personal experience, it's not about, you know, pushing belief systems. It's about just opening us up to new information so that we might be able to view our reality in a more expansive way and in a more empowered way as far as how we are able to heal ourselves and transform and move through, you know, difficult events that might take place in our life um, and just to kind of see the bigger picture. So that's uh, my Friday lecture. Well, I want to just make a comment that I, first of all, it sounds really interesting and I look forward to going to it myself. I love the idea that you're not pushing beliefs, that you're just basically giving people choice. If they don't, if they haven't heard a concept or heard ideas, they don't even know the choices out there for them to think about them or look at them or to explore them in any way. And that's, I mean, I really love that you, that's how you're looking at it. You're not pushing, oh, you have to believe what I do, but here's some of the things I've been seeing, I've been learning, and I want to share it with you, and maybe that you'll find them interesting too. Yeah, definitely. And I like to, you know, show certain metaphors that can help to simplify, you know, some of maybe the complexities of some of the terminology. You know, it's... it's. Oh, those are great. Those are great. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we see, like, the blossoming of a flower, you know, its highest potential being revealed, you know, something that's already in the seed, you know, that, that is destined to develop into, you know, a blossom. I mean, that's a great metaphor for how we're unfolding into our life experience. Um, but because we're humans and we think a lot, you know, sometimes our mental bodies can create more confusion than it's worth, and sometimes the mind isn't, you know, maybe engaged enough and doesn't question anything. And so it just gives one the opportunity to find their comfort level, to take what resonates, and to leave the rest, you know, especially if it doesn't resonate, and to find a comfort zone and to enjoy where it takes the person. You know, that it might spur them to do research. It might, you know, be something that they revisit in a year from now, you know, and it's just... But it's just to give us that little nudge. Um, right. But, yeah, that's definitely my intention. Yeah. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. And then you have a another time you're speaking. Right. I have a workshop on Saturday, and I believe it's that in the evening hours. I'm just trying to find it on the calendar. It doesn't say flat out. Um, and this, it's at 1.30. And this particular workshop is... You know, I mentioned the word extraterrestrials, and I think, you know, for some people it's like, okay, that's really intense, and how do we get a grip on trying to understand what that's all about? So I share things that I've learned that seem to make sense. Um, And, again, it's not about pushing belief systems, but it's about getting more comfortable with the idea that we're not alone. And I had some things happen in my life experience that opened me up to a lot of the stuff that is sort of operating in the shadows, I guess you could say, on the planet. Um, within some of these power structures, you know, like government, that has been kept from us that I am exposing in a very gentle way um, to just sort of prepare us for, uh, you know, what's in front of us because, you know, we are, you know, very powerful and we're very creative and we can create our own future. And sometimes a lot of the stuff we're fed, you know, can create fear or fix us to, believing in an outcome that doesn't necessarily need to happen. And so I focus on what I call alternative four, which is all about the power of the human spirit and 
the importance of unification and working together and sharing information and, you know, our different skills and talents. And I think, you know, my main goal with this particular one is to say, okay, I've got some interesting information. It's a little bit out there, but it's important that, you know, we start to make it a part of the dialogue, you know, so it's a part of the conversation, you know. And, again, it's not about fixed belief. It's like, okay, well, what does that trigger in you or what are your thoughts about it, you know, is more what I'm looking for, you know, to open up more discussions um, so that people can, you know, share their insights because I think when we can all participate in our future, can all sort of be a part of the dialogue and conversation, then we don't feel so lost or like we just are being presented with stuff that challenges us. We can process it together and we can, you know, share, you know, opinions. Yeah. Uh, I do have things that back up a lot of the things that I went through, you know, which kind of brings it into more of a reality. Right. But, you know, again, I'm looking to create a comfort level with the information by opening up um, just the opportunity, you know, for, you know, people to, you know, potentially, you know, research it at a later time or maybe raise their hand and ask questions in the audience or, you know, look at some of the things that I've written on the subject to get more familiar with it. But the basic presentation is sort of just mapping it out, you know, so people have an idea. And then from there, you know, I, I make myself very available, you know, for consultations to help people process it or make sense out of it. Nice, nice. And so that workshop, is that a two-hour workshop then on Saturday? It's an hour and 15 minutes, and it's at 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. Okay. And have you been to this this contact expo before? Is this or is this your first time or? Uh, this is my third time. Your third? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So you so you know it's in a nice location, and what can you tell the listeners about it? Well, it's a you know Joshua Tree, and it's um, an event center, and you know once you pull in to the event, it's just. Amazing. There's a lot of vendors, you know, people selling books, people selling art and crafts, and um, there's group meals. Uh, you can, you know, go get a buffet, and, you know, people sit down with each other, and everybody gets to sort of, you know, have conversation and get to know one another. Um, yeah, and there's uh, – it, it's sort of like a maze. There's a lot of different dirt roads within the event center, Um you know, different places where people speak. You know, there's a main sort of hall, and there's, you know, places where people do workshops. And, yeah, you'll just find a lot of people walking around, and, you know, it's very easy to meet people. And like I said, you know, with the buffet and just the way that the mealtime is set up, you know, it's just a great time to be social. And um, there's events in the evening. You know, there's premieres of films, you know, that are played and star watching and lots of diversity with the speakers. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just... Whatever you want to get out of it, you can get out of it, you know. Um, and whatever maybe you don't really want, you can shield yourself and create your own experience. And I think everybody walks away, you know, with a very unique experience. It, it, it doesn't seem like anybody has the same experience, that's for sure. And I, I heard from Rosemary that in the three years they've been there, they've really established themselves as being sort of the premier event of, of this type. Would you agree now that you, you've actually been there for this will be your third year? I would say this is a big event, and the fact that it, it's continuing and it goes on, you know, and it's been going on um, for, for a third year. Right. And it has such a huge draw um, and just so many awesome, you know, people coming to speak. I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's the big, it's, it's one of the bigger events and definitely just 
definitely worth worth checking out. I know that you've written a book, and I, but it's not out yet. Is that correct? Right. I mean, so my book. Um, yes, I'm still working on it. Um, I had done quite a bit uh, years before, and uh, some of the material ended up getting um, lost, unfortunately. But oh, it just means that okay, well, now the new opportunity. Um, I'm a different person now, and maybe this is you know really you know the right time. And it's a bit of a you know, it's, it's it's a lot about my own life story and how I unfolded into the information that I share. You know, what experiences I went through that got me in touch with the information that I speak about. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the Magdalene, Sophia energies, um, the divine feminine, and the importance of us empowering this and, and, and balancing it with the masculine energies. And, you know, a lot about what we're made of and what, you know, is deep within us that we can wake up to in my own path of awakening, which involved, you know, going into a lot of dark night of the soul journeys and, you know, just being raised in the Eisenhower family and what that was like and what that awakened in me and opened up me to, you know, there's a lot about my path that is, you know, dot connecting, you know, connecting, you know, the dots between right. the spiritual worlds, the physical worlds, the political worlds, and just, you know, seeing like, okay, where does this all connect? Because we're a mandala. I mean, everything is connected. So, we're very compartmentalized where we have, you know, politics over here, we have spirituality over there, and then we have our own personal journey. And um, so, yeah, it's really a story about, you know, how I have just really uncovered a lot within myself and a lot about the world Can you give us on a, little, a very deep level. So, Can you give us a little bit, uh, for example, what, in something you sent me, you said that you had a, an experience as a child that kind of led you into this. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, I, I feel like I've had a lot of experiences. Um, I, I would say the main one was, you know, just really going on a deep, you know, personal journey uh, and knowing that I have a specific mission. I always knew as a child that I was here to do something specific. And over the course of my life, it's been very validated by, you know, different people that just showed up on my path, whether they were shamans or healers or teachers or psychics. It was pretty much they were all saying the same sort of thing. And it really relates to the healing of our planetary body. And so when I talk about Gaia Sophia, it's really about understanding the consciousness of this planet and what makes this planet unique. And so the experiences that I, uh, you know, went on had a lot to do with, a lot of the changes and disruptions that I went through growing up and what that sort of triggered in me to, you know, kind of find my own internal truth or, you know, understand some of the greater mysteries while also understanding that we can't, you know, maybe solve everything. That's why it's called a mystery. Um, yeah, I had, a, you know, a, a, just a lot of extraordinary experiences, particularly uh, my background in wilderness expedition leadership, you know, and, and what I learned from nature and just being a nature child, you know, always playing outside and I really felt like a connection to other dimensions, and I really felt the Christ energy presence with, uh, present with me and also the spirit of Eisenhower. And it just helped me to get more and more in touch with, you know, what I'm here to do. So a person might ask, okay, well, what is it? Because that's really what my book is about. And it's, you know, it's really, uh, I guess one could say I'm, I'm a bit of an ascension guide, you know, helping people to expand into higher earth energies, you know, what it means to create alchemy and to transform things from one form into another, and it's really about the restoration work and the work we need to do to um, to step up and step into um, a purpose we all share, which is to find ourselves and to also um, participate in the world on a level that makes it a better place and, and challenges maybe the things that have made it 
not so uh, healthy. I mean, there's a lot of imbalance. We see a lot of injustices. Uh, we see our environment, you know, being compromised, a lot of environmental degradation. And then there's a lot of stuff that, you know, people are coming out with that is very challenging to our belief systems, you know, about, you know, things that we weren't taught, which I talk about in my presentations. And so it's all geared towards, you know, assisting a person while also telling my own story so that they can see that, wow, okay, maybe other people are on a very similar path that I was on or still am on. Um, and so, yeah, it's really about, you know, global transformation and rebalancing the masculine and feminine and what it means to be empowered without losing oneself to trying to be somebody that they're not in order to feel powerful. It's like, you know, really understanding what we're, what we're made of, you know, and just, the divine blueprint of sacred union within us, you know, where the balance is established and where we already are enlightened. I mean, I think people think they need to attain it or find it, but it's something that, you know, we awaken to by removing a lot of the different layers that have attached to us, you know, maybe programmings or conditionings or ancestral patterns or belief systems. And, you know, as we journey deep within ourselves, we begin to remove those layers and, you know, find that a lot of this stuff is within us and, you know, our healing power, our connection to God and goddess, our connection to the earth and our connection to, you know, being able to expand into these higher earth energies. It's like it's already in the seed. It's already written into the script. How can we keep ourselves on track with this and not get distracted or lose a sense of ourselves because we're disempowered and we end up giving our power away to something that keeps us dependent, you know, where we um, need it forever to be okay when in actual fact, you know, when we can let go of our grip a little bit and learn about ourselves more, you know, we can, you know, fall back on ourselves with greater confidence. Absolutely. This sounds great. And I'm wondering, you've given us kind of the general overview, the general, you know, the gestalt kind of thing of your approach. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind if I asked you about some specific terms, um, just to clarify for, for the listeners and for myself, too, that, that we're on the same track with you. Uh, first of all, the Magdalene Sophia energies, you mentioned that earlier, and I want to understand exactly what you mean by that. Well, we don't hear a lot about Sophia, and I think anybody who is hearing about Sophia for the first time, I would recommend Googling Sophia. There's a lot of books written about her, and basically it's like the goddess energy. And so when we look at the Godhead, you know, or what religion teaches about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, there is a feminine aspect. You know, the Holy Spirit is is actually feminine. And because I'm not here to fish belief systems, it's more like, okay, if you're curious and that rings true to you, there's a lot written about it that you might resonate with. If it doesn't, then, you know, I'm not here to, you know, challenge anybody, but maybe later on it'll start to make sense. And to claim, you know, that any of us has absolute truth is not something I'm trying to do either. But um, I've done a lot of research. I've read a lot of, you know, Material, uh, Gnosticism, um, and uh, things about you know multidimensional energy and just the physics of that, and uh, you know things that are about comparative religions. Um, I grew up with you know the government stuff and also a, a religious background, and um, and and Buddhism and just you know everything that would give me a very large perspective on you know a lot of different viewpoints about God, and also just maybe the path of, you know, somebody who is taking it upon themselves to discover themselves on a spiritual level. And the themes, the most common themes that I've uh, come across and that have, 
you know, shown up in my life experience that ring true to me is, is the stuff that I share. And so there's a lot about the goddess Sophia that we haven't learned about because the patriarchy exiled our connection to the goddess. And it's not about relating to it as a figure, like a particular woman. Um, you know, we can see many people embody the goddess energies just like Jesus embodied the Christ, you know, and, and uh, you know, other uh, spiritual masters that have been able to connect with this greater energy that we all have access to. But it's really about understanding it um, as an energetic, you know, a part of the universal energies uh, in our existence. Um, you know, when people refer to the Earth as Mother Earth, you know, definitely, you know, people tend to create or speak about the Earth in terms of it being feminine. And so maybe, you know, that's that's a good place to start for people. Um, you know, indigenous cultures, you know, say Mother Earth, Father Sky. And uh, when we look at the feminine aspect, the reason why it's sometimes important not to, you know, look to a figure or, or a person that represents it, but to find it within ourselves first and maybe find inspiration, you know, from those that embody it without losing ourselves to feeling the need to worship because that's not really where it's at. It's understanding the feminine qualities in nature and in ourselves that men carry too, the power of birthing, the power of nurturing, the power of creativity. And because we have both masculine and feminine with us, within us, regardless of our gender, you know, the more we can get in touch with the qualities of both, the more we can recognize that they're in a dance together, they're not in a power struggle. The power struggle that we see on the world stage is, more about the stage of development we're in and more about, you know, how we're learning about ego and the right use of power. And sometimes to learn the right use of power, we, you know, get off track and we see the imbalance and then we take note of it and we make the adjustments that we need to make and, you know, maybe inspire others to make those adjustments too and then we see our world begin to change. But Sophia um, is a part of the Godhead, is the feminine aspect of God and the cosmic mother womb, um, which supposedly everything was birthed from. And so if we look at it more on the energetic level instead of a person, then our belief systems aren't so compromised because sometimes it's hard to look at it as a figure, and it's not about it being a figure. But figures like Mary Magdalene embodied these energies and represented it, sort of like being a voice for it, you know, personifying it, um, which is a little bit different than actually, um, you know, because once we're in physical form, we're, it's different than being in our spirit consciousness or in, our, in the unified field. I mean, we have to figure we all came from the same source, but as we're in this physical experience, you know, we want to connect with spirit. We want to be on spiritual paths. Not everybody does, but a lot of us do. And I think one way to really enrich our experience is to, you know, see in our world where it's become very obvious that there's an imbalance between the masculine and feminine within ourselves and in our culture and in the world at large, which is why there is a lot of degradation in our environment and a lot of injustices. Can I ask? Balance. You? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've, I've got questions as, as you go. So, um, oh, please do. <laughs> but basically, what I'm hearing you say is that the Magdalene Sophia energies. You're basically talking about the feminine energies. Is that correct? They're both representative or symbolic of the feminine aspects that, that you feel have been, you know, I can't remember the word you use, but... Exiled or just sort of... Pushed aside. Um, pushed aside. Can I ask you something? Do you believe that this pushing aside was evolved from as man was on the planet or whether it's something new? There's just 
so much to that, um, it would be kind of hard to answer. There's a lot that happened before this particular Earth body was created. Um, we are in higher dimensional energies and more advanced civilizations. And, you know, anybody who believes that, you know, there wasn't Atlantis and Lemuria would, you know, know what I'm talking about. Um, and sometimes it's just, sometimes it's a little far-fetched and hard for us to understand. So there's been more than one seeding of the human race, and this particular one, the one we can identify with most that, has produced us as humans as we know it in the sort of structures that we have, you know, seen in our history books that have developed over the course of time through different wars, through different movements, through different eras of, you know, change. So I'm going to go with what we can identify with most. I think there's a lot more beforehand that led to this. Um, and I get into it in my presentations, and that's, you know, where it can get really sort of intense. But, um it's sort of evolved. I mean, when we think about ego, it's not that ego is bad, but ego can be imbalanced and it can be unhealthy. And when we think of the masculine energy and we think of patriarchy, you know, it's not about bashing men and it being all about, you know, females are coming back in our power, you know, and we're going to take over. It's really just looking at, you know, the imbalance within us, the imbalance in our world and working on bringing things back into balance and harmony. Um, and so the roots of patriarchy you know, very much, you know, connect to government and religion. And it doesn't mean that it's bad or wrong. It just has created a sort of vulnerability in those systems for a lot of dark energies to uh, exist. Well, let me, ask, Where, let, me, yeah. let me ask you this. Is it something that we are now gotten to the point where we're aware enough to see the imbalances that were already there, but now we, we actually see them, we, we've... In other words, we've reached the level of conscious awareness that we don't just accept them, I mean, as part of life. We actually question them, look at them, explore them, because now we're at that level of consciousness where we can actually see them and understand it, that there's these imbalances. What what I was asking before, I didn't say very well, but it it seemed to me like the imbalance has always been there. It's just that now that we're, we're focusing on it, aware of it, working to help bring in balance. Is that what you would say? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's why I said it, it's a lot older than, you know, what we can conceptualize as far as where that imbalance originated. And, of course, everything starts, you know, in the world of energy before manifest. And so there are some things that sort of took place because we're in a free will universe that started to differentiate the masculine and feminine to the point of it being more polarized towards the masculine. And so we can look at it like, you know, humanity is like a child and it's, you know, growing and, you know, we fall on our face and we get back up again and we learn and it's and it's just part of our evolution to not necessarily get it right because, yeah, so, okay, I love what you said because it's very similar to just our lifestyles. If we're not eating the best foods, and yeah, maybe we can get away with it for a while and not think anything of it, but it's when our bodies start to show us symptoms that we start to, you know, take a deeper look Right. You know, at what we're putting into ourselves. The same thing goes with the balance of the masculine and feminine, where the energy was off or the way we were existing as a humanity was off, but we haven't been able to really get in touch with the end result and what it's done and the damage it's created as much as we have the opportunity to see now, particularly in the environment and how much, you know, toxicity there is and, you know, just the structure um, of society and, you know, just how it's more polarized towards the masculine and how women are fighting so hard to be empowered and they've had to go through so much just to get equal rights. But then, you know, we get this feminist movement where women are trying to, you know, fight wars and be more like men and, 
you know, it's kind of like we're sort of chasing our tail and need to kind of get back to center and just look at ourselves and our own personal relationships, you know, our own relationship with ourselves, you know, whether it's a, a spouse we're learning and growing from or just the way we relate to our children or just our own health and well-being. That's where all the clues are. Um, and when we, you know, work on ourselves, then we have something great to offer the larger picture. But if we are always reacting to the larger picture, sometimes we're trying to solve it in an external way. And sometimes we just never get that opportunity to really grow and do that inner work that's necessary. You know, so if we pick up on something from our parents that got passed down to us that reveals this imbalance, you know, maybe we hit a wall and realize we can't carry it anymore. You know, we have to shift the energy not just for ourselves but for our ancestral lines in order to heal them, which then translates to bringing in a great energy for the planet, you know, for the collective as a whole because it becomes a resource. It becomes something that people can tap into or feel, you know, because as we heal ourselves, you know, we, we assist the whole system healing, you know, the larger picture stuff. And so, um, yeah, I just encourage people to just look close to home. You know, what, what have you picked up on from your parents? You know, what patternings are you looking to change? You know, where do you find yourself constantly stuck in ruts? What sort of patterning do you find, you know, continues to play out again and again in relationships, you know, as a theme? You know, and that's going to, you know, help us to locate all the things that we need to personally work on, which might be different than our neighbor or our friends, but it's reaching the same goal, yes. you know, which is yes. balance. This is this is exactly what my work does. It, it helps you tune into your own patterns, and then what what's the underlying issues that you've taken on over lifetimes, or even in the childhood, or whenever, and then how they're playing out now, and then how to you know I, I use a process called neutralizing. But anyway, I don't want to talk about me, and my listeners already know about me. But um, yeah, I know what you're saying exactly. You start right where you are, and start to do what, what kind of thing would you do you do in your work to help people when are you someone who actually does healing or or do you yes I do session work I'm an astrologer I also do tarot I also um, went to a clairvoyant institute for two years and so have developed that ability which we all have just to be able to see more clearly and to tune in you know to somebody's energy field and you know sort of see pictures and and when I work with all three together it sort of kind of backs each other up. You know, it's like I, I might see something and see that, okay, it's also in the chart. Right. I might do a, a shuffle with the cards and notice that, you know, there's also something I'm seeing. And if I work with all three, you know, I, I think it just gives a person a more complete reading because if I were to just do clairvoyance, I mean, we're humans. You know, we have our filters and sometimes, you know, it's helpful to have a backup. Right. That's why I, I brought that in. Um, and I've been doing it for about 20 years or so. And I hold the intention when I work with things like the cards because I think some people might have a weird feeling about cards in astrology because it's, you know, maybe considered like, you know, a little bit taboo. Um, but I hold the intention that, you know, it's only for the greater good of that individual and for the collective and that I use it as a resource to help that individual heal. I don't really predict future events. I am very careful about, you know, what I share um, just because my main intention is just to assist the person and being able to unfold into their destiny with more self-awareness instead of telling them what it's going to look like without preparing them at all, which might mean that, you know, I might get in their way because I've seen people do that. So I've learned a lot about seeing how not to do it to get really good at how to do it. And, uh, and, it, and it's going really well. I didn't expect that it would be my day job. I just did it as a hobby. I did it, you know, just to learn about. 
for myself and for my family, and uh, then I started just to do readings on the side for friends, and, and then it sort of took over, word of mouth, and then I started to, you know, uh, people now donate, and I do a sliding scale. Or I would love to take just a little side note. How fascinating to be, in, you know, in a presidential family. That must have been a really interesting experience. Was was your great grandfather alive when you were born? No, but Mamie was, and I got to spend time with her up until about five years of age, and then she transitioned. Okay. Eisenhower, yeah, I never met personally, but I've always, you know, felt really connected to him. Um, I feel like we're very much. I, I just feel his presence, you know, with the mission that I have, and that he's just really just still kind of like there in spirit. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, it was interesting growing up in that family. Is I don't have much to compare it to. It was very different from my mom's generation because he was in office when they were teenagers. Um, so I've had a relatively normal life, but I definitely have a very unique and unusual mission. So I guess let's yeah. Is that with that? Yes. Uh, okay, great. And when your book comes out, we're going to learn a lot more about your personal journey and how all of that fit in. So, But you've given us a great preview of coming attractions. Do you have any idea when it might come out or be done or be ready or whatever? I think the beginning of 2016, to be realistic, I, I still have a lot I need to do because um, a lot of it, it's going to be in two parts. You know, the first part is more personal about my own personal journey. The second part is more about the information that I gained and the, what bridges it is, you know, the personal stuff is how I got in touch with the information. The second part is the information, and then the bridge is, you know, just sort of formulating it all and uh, making it available. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of work still left to be done, and I would say the target date is January of 2016. Okay, cool. Anyway, um, I want you, if you don't mind, to talk about this alchemy uh concept, the alchemy of the soul. You um, have mentioned alchemy as you were talking and, and also in some, some information that I guess from your, your bio. So can you talk a little bit about alchemy of the soul or alchemy in general? Yes. Um, anybody who's familiar with astrology knows that, you know, there's earth, air, fire, and water signs. When we look at our environment, you know, those are the four main elements, earth, air, fire, and water. And so a lot about our soul energy is very much what we see in nature. That's why indigenous culture, cultures work with, you know, spirit medicine, you know, animal spirits, and, you know, why our bodies have such a good response to things like, you know, herbs and natural remedies. And, um, I mean, our soul energy is very similar to what we see in, in nature um, in a lot of ways. It's like the earth. There's a concept, you know, called the soul of the world, you know, which is, you know, seeing nature as the soul of the world. And so it's very similar, like I said. And we're in this process of global transformation, and we're all a part of this global transformation. And it doesn't require that we believe in anything that we don't want to believe, but that we're at least authentically true to ourselves, which means that we embrace the processes that we're in. That means we, you know, have boundaries when we need to have boundaries, and we speak our truth when we need to speak up. And that really connects us with our deeper soul journey because, you know, we're, we're connecting to ourselves. We're not losing ourselves to others. We're not giving our power away. We're not, you know, lost in belief systems that might not actually resonate. And, and the best way to know is, you know, how, how is your physical 
experience? You know, how does it match, you know, where your thoughts are? You know, because the thoughts create things in the physical body. And so when we get a grip on just who we are, even if we feel like we don't really know what that is, a lot of times it just means we show up for ourselves and we're in the now and we um, are just open to seeing what life reflects back and just, just kind of going with the flow. It's, we don't need an identity attachment to know who we are, but just to at least know what our passions are, our desires, um, you know, and just what our limitations and boundaries are and, you know, what inspires us. That's plenty. And so as we walk on this soul journey, um, because this human experience is more about soul development and spiritual development than anything else, um, you know, there's a lot of extraordinary things that we have to overcome. You know, it might be a broken heart from a relationship. It might be an illness. It might be the loss of a loved one or a family member. I mean, we're all thrown, you know, curveballs in this life experience, and it's not always easy. And so when we look at the energy of transformation, we're actually turning things from one form into another. It's like a metamorphosis. And alchemy is, you know, the same. It's a transformation. It's turning lead into gold. So on a soul level, if we've been having a very, very heavy experience, maybe, you know, like I said, going through some of the tougher things in life, maybe a breakup or an illness or a loss of a loved one, we can feel the heaviness of the physical world and, and just almost like we're carrying around just incredible, um, I wouldn't say necessarily burdens, but just Sometimes that's what it is when we have a lot of responsibilities, but just a lot of heaviness, and it's like, okay, we need to clear it. We need to work through it. We need to process. We can't just carry it around forever. We know that there's a point at which, you know, mourning, you know, becomes unhealthy or, um, you know, being in a brokenhearted state for too long, you know, can be unhealthy, and so people, you know, sometimes don't know what to do, and they get lost in addiction. So what is alchemy? It's the ability to really face the self and go into the dark night of the soul and be changed forever because when we go into that zone, you know, we're able to find, um, even though it's very uncomfortable and it's not the easiest of things, it's, it's an initiation. It helps us to make more sense out of things because we might connect with the spirit of those who passed. We might be able to have an epiphany that, oh, my gosh, you know, it's good that a relationship ended because it wasn't even healthy. You know, and obviously we were moving in two different directions. What it does is it holds space for us to have epiphanies that help us to connect with our higher wisdom. And when we're in a very heavy place and it feels dark and we're able to reach our wisdom and just, you know, our own connection to spirit and that light energy comes into the darkness, it transforms that heaviness into something uh, much more beautiful, you know. And we might find when we bounce back, you know, we feel more regenerated, we feel, you know, more wisdom, we feel more strength, we feel more reassurance, you know, about this experience being a lot more than we realize because um, we're able to connect to things beyond the physical. And so it's a path of transformation. And the thing is, our culture doesn't really help us with these initiations. Very often when we start to go into the dark night of the soul, we freak out. We might end up going on pharmaceuticals. We might start to think we're going crazy. We might think that the world's just a terrible place. We might get really depressed. And all that stuff needs to be turned into gold. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, reach out for help, of course, because we're going, you know, through a very internal process. It's very important to have support during these times, but not a lot of people necessarily know how to make sense out of it, and clearly nobody can do it for you, but this is what my work is about, is to kind of hold hands with people and to support them in their dark night of the soul journeys when they're going through a major transition or initiation into, you know, global, or excuse me, soul alchemy or soul transformation that assists in 
turning the light of our human experience on a more larger level, on a worldly level, it, 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 it creates the same sort of thing. If we're able to create soul alchemy, we can create global alchemy. We can turn the lead of this experience into gold, you know. We can turn the toxins and the uh, different things that are degenerative in our environment and in just our consciousness. We can turn it into gold. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, stepping up to the plate and being responsible and also connecting with spirit and knowing that spirit is the greater power over physicality. And we can make miracles happen. And this is a lot about what the new paradigm is. So when people talk about ascension, well, what is that? You know, it's not about floating away. You know, a lot of it is about awakening our spiritual abilities and, you know, being able to, you know, connect with miracle vibrations that, you know, are all a part of, you know, what's on the other side of soul alchemy. When we have completed the transformation, we tend to be much more in touch with um, those sort of abilities. We, you know, can be very helpful and supportive to others that are going through it. And it's, it's very different than the place we were at before we got to the other side. You know, we might go from depression to, you know, complete and total empowerment. But we have to kind of go through those difficult layers. And with a culture that doesn't really assist us, very often it's more about being dependent on the system and pharmaceuticals or, you know, giving our power away and getting a diagnosis instead of seeing that, wow, maybe we're just in a really beautiful transformation and um, we can find people that, you know, assist us in self-discovery um, instead I, of takes us, taking us further away from that goal. It sounds great. And I, I want to ask you, when you say this is your life's work and you like to hold on to people who are going through this kind of transformation, um, hold hands, you know, be the support, is that part of your sessions that you give or is this something in addition to what you were talking on earlier? when you use the, the tarot and the clairvoyance and the astrology? Is this something? Well, I think, yeah. It's different. It's something, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just, is it different is what I'm saying, or is it the same thing, or? Yes, what I do on a smaller level, I do on a larger level. So as I'm doing my own inner work and doing my own initiations and going through my own dark night of the soul experiences and going through my own human experience that throws me into those processes just like everybody else. I'm devoted to doing that inner work for myself. And then as somebody who does readings, you know, if they're freaking out or they don't really understand what's going on or they don't know how to process or, you know, they're really feeling um, afraid of what they're going through, um, I just, you know, just give them that added support. I reflect back to them, you know, what they're going through and, um things to look forward to, things to connect with, things to do on a practical level that will ease it. But, of course, I can't do it for them. But if they know that they're not crazy and they know that this is a powerful initiation and they have some kind of idea of where it's taking them, you know, like if it's a loss of a loved one, it might help them to, you know, connect with spirit more or communicate with those that have transitioned or to feel, you know, more insight about the larger picture and, and the fact that, we are going to be reunited with our loved ones. And I use their chart to help them to see how that works for them and what they're ready to experience. Okay, cool. You know, I'm kind of, I'm warming them up a little bit without taking away the mystery. And so I've worked real hard at, okay, well, what's the best way I can do this that will assist people? A lot of it is just them venting and just getting a lot of their stuff out and having somebody hold space for them and just helping them know that they're not alone. That's big. But I do all sorts of sessions, so sometimes it's not about that. But when I do the larger work, when I do my events and I do speaking uh, events, 
I relate it to the larger picture. You know, what we can do as a humanity to create a similar effect that we would like to achieve on a personal level when it comes to our own particular transformations and our own unique um, personal experiences. It's like we're dealing with the micro, we're dealing with the macro, but the same kind of principles of, you know, laws apply or, or you know, the resources and what's available is the same. You know, if something's damaged, we can heal it in ourselves and in the larger picture. And so the, the events are more about the larger picture. And then I kind of, you know, bring it back to the self a little bit and remind people of that in my presentations. And, you know, from there, you know, people might sign up for a reading. They might, you know, feel more empowered to you know, do the work themselves, and they might not feel it necessary to get a reading. But I try and bounce back and forth between the two so that we can see how incredibly similar it all is. Because sometimes we get lost in the information about what's going on in the world and we forget that, you know, we can see the same sort of things happen in our own lives. When we're running our negative ego or we're out of balance, you know, we might feel attacked, we might feel our relationships get disrupted, and same thing with the larger picture. If we're not balanced on the masculine and feminine levels, then it's very easy for us to continue um, to see a lot of the things that are disturbing, injustices and, you know, environmental issues. Right. Do you have techniques that you teach your clients or to your listeners uh, on how to get through some of those or do some of that deep work that you're talking about? Do you have techniques or? Um... I um, I do. You know, there, there's some meditations that I pass along to people to help shield their energies and help to ground them. You know, there's certain techniques that will work for everybody, but because I'm looking at a chart and I can see, you know, what's unique to them, their next step or what might be you know, something I share with them on a practical level would be tailored towards for them. You know, like right. there's some people that I've read that used to play music and decided never to, you know, pursue it anymore. You know, maybe their parents didn't really support it and they sort of shelved it and they've got some physical problem. I might immediately see in the chart that, well, you need to, you know, get back into the music because that feeds your soul. That keeps you grounded. It keeps you inspired. And then, you know, their next step might be to go pick up that instrument again and that might be all that they needed to hear from me. For other people, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the same. It might be um, just a big insecurity they're working on, and, you know, I might advise them to do something different. But, you know, a lot of the things that I would maybe share with people that is more universal, you know, just has a lot to do with how to ground while being expansive, you know, to be able to have an open heart and still feel safe and protected and, um, you know, different essential oils and crystals or stones they might be able to use, different meditations, and things that, you know, one can just stop themselves and maybe do during the day, maybe walk barefoot, you know, maybe, you know, before they, you know, grab the beer, they might grab, like, a healthy, you know, kombucha drink instead, you know, just, yeah, so it's tailored towards the individual, but then there's some things that, you know, I might share with everybody if, if it feels like it's necessary. Okay, cool. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, to have because everybody is, is a snowflake, so to speak. So some of them would be, some things would be very individual, and other things are kind of part of the human condition and would help just about anybody. So that makes sense to me. Um, okay. Um, what can you just can you describe what what you're talking about when you're talking about? Um, well, it says in your bio the pleroma. <laughs> What is right. I don't well, it's, a, it's a Gnostic term, and I know it's not one we hear very often, so I'm glad you're asking. Um, basically, the pleroma is the totality of divine powers. It's kind of like, you know, 
it's considered like the, the higher worlds, you know, um, kind of like the God worlds, you know, where there is not duality or imbalances or corruption. It's, uh, you know, where I guess we might experience heaven if we're going to call it something else. Um, and so when it says in my bio, you know, returning people to the pleroma or, or manifesting those energies on earth, it's very much, it's very similar to, you know, a person who might say, you know, creating heaven on earth or the kingdom of earth is, or the kingdom of paradise is within and we can create it, you know, again on earth. I mean, it's just a different terminology. And so I use it, you know, maybe for people to Google so that they can, you know, see it from the Gnostic perspective because it talks about aeons and these different pairs that come out of the Godhead that, you know, represent um, different archetypal energies that we hold, you know, because we, you know, inherited all this in, in a similar way that we inherited stuff from our, our biological parents, you know, and, and, and the pleroma is probably the purest and clearest and highest that we can reach, and it's available to us. Um, and, and I think sometimes we think we have to reach towards something or worship something or find something, and that's where it comes back to, you know, it's, it's a part of our divine inheritance. It's a part of our divine blueprint and our birthright to unfold into this, just like a flower is destined to blossom. We're destined to find this part of who we are. We're just at different stages. We have to go through different things and, you know, prove certain things to ourselves by going through the life experience instead of just hearing it, you know, and adopting it as a belief. Sometimes people do that and it's great, and then they might shift those beliefs later, but a lot of people who you know, maybe don't consider themselves spiritual or into the belief of God, you know, their life experience, you know, shows them the way, you know, through trial and error. And maybe in those moments that they need to connect with spirit the most is when they start to give it a little bit more credit. You know, maybe if they're dealing with an injury or an accident, all of a sudden that person's not atheist anymore. They're praying to God, like, please help me through this. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we're all on our, you know, unique path to unfold into what truth is. And I think we all have our own personal relationship to God, Goddess, so I'm definitely not here to define it for anybody, but I can safely say that um, it's something we can discover within, and there's many paths to get there, and there's no judgment about what that path is. As an astrologer, I see how a lot of people have set up certain life events for themselves to kind of shake their foundation and kind of blow them open so that they can see maybe a different perspective, or they can, you know journey on their path in a different way than what they did before. Right. And, and it's kind of built into us to manifest these things when they're needed. And that's why it's important to just really honor and respect each other. I mean, because to me, you know, when we talk about oneness or unity, to me it's about diversity and harmony, not about us all being the same or believing the same things or having to agree on everything. It's about diversity and harmony, which is more about mutual respect and knowing that, you know, we're all playing our roles beautifully, but we have to you know, feel more empowered, we have to appreciate each other more, and we certainly, number one, have to love ourselves. Yes, you know, everything that you're saying is is exactly my orientation as well, so it's fun for me to hear your way of saying it, your way of expressing it, because I do express it somewhat differently, but it's the same thing, you know, just a few different words, like there are many roads to Rome. But I really appreciate your taking the time to really clarify some of this stuff because, you know, I think that we're all in some ways saying the same thing, but we just come from maybe slightly different directions or background, and so it comes out with different words. The good news about that is that there's something for everyone. If some people over here would 
hear your words and be able to resonate, they may hear mine and not be able to resonate or vice versa. So to me, I love the fact that there are so many different paradigms, many different viewpoints, many different ways of explaining some of this very similar stuff because everybody is going to find something somewhere when, they st- when they're looking. If, you know, hopefully they're looking, like you said, but they may not be as yet, but they might down the line. Right. Yeah. And that's where those life events can, you know, throw a curveball and then all of a sudden it's like everything radically changes because if they didn't want to, you know, sign up for it or if it wasn't a part of, like, their passion or interest, sometimes, you know, things just happen and then all of a sudden it's just kind of like then the person sort of reroutes and readjusts accordingly. Right, and from my understanding, each soul really has its own timing. So some souls maybe bring it in very early, starting a childhood or whatever, and some souls don't, and we won't necessarily know the reasons why the timing is different, but um, I think that, uh, you know, there's just a million different reasons. There's infinite number of reasons as there, you know, as many individuals as there are, there are different reasons of how the soul chooses to unfold its, it, his or her own you know, journey, so to speak. <laughs> um, anyway, that's probably neither here nor there. But but to go on, um, can you... Ex- oh, it's totally right on. I love it. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. One thing I'm interested in is kind of jumping down. I'm interested in everything there, but what are the inner shifts? How do they show themselves, and how can we make them happen? And what does the being uh, in alignment and the importance of discernment. I talk about discernment, too, in my work, what's real and what's artificial and what do you explain as, as artificial, you know, anything along, uh, about that stuff. Okay, I think I, I think I get the question. Um, basically, what my take is on just how to reach the, the, the goal and, and what the difference is between the artificial and the organic and how we can sort of put ourselves in the right position in order to gain the most in sort of a world where we're straddling, you know, the artificial and the organic. I mean, here we have nature uh, in our backyards that's, you know, we have flowers, we have birds, we have sky, we have water, we have earth. We build our houses upon it, but we're kind of in this matrix and not everything is completely in alignment with nature. Um, If you think about it, you know, we're in a 12 calendar system, but, you know, the ancients used to follow the 13th moon calendar, you know, which... I was much more geared towards the feminine. Um, there's actually 13 astro- astrological signs, but we only use 12. And as an astrologer, you know, I discovered that it doesn't really apply until everybody born after 2010, but it's another piece to all of this. And so, I mean, artificial is, is a difficult one because everything sort of emerges from nature. Artificial, though, is where it's been manipulated and tweaked and, you know, engineered and modified um, from the hands of a human. I see. To the okay. point where it, it doesn't have the natural properties anymore and it doesn't function in nature the way it was, once did. I see. And that's like GMOs, genetically modified foods. Um, and, you know, when chemicals are put in foods, I mean, we can just, you know, look at anything at a grocery store, particularly one that's not a health food store, and look at the label and look at the ingredients, and there's a lot of artificial ingredients, artificial preservatives. Um when we are in that ourselves, um, sometimes, you know, we lose a sense of our own authenticity and we're trying to be somebody we're not. You know, people might get plastic surgery. And there's no judgment on any of it. I mean, we're in a very difficult world and sometimes we just want to feel good and feel accepted and feel wanted. And, you know, these are the deeper motivations behind why we might do things that aren't necessarily natural. And 
I mean, I think everybody, you know, finds their own relationship to that, and it either works or it doesn't, and, and people will unfold, you know, and, and get exactly what they need to maybe change their mind or readjust or have a different perspective, and the thing is, even if we can't undo certain things, if our consciousness at least gets it, then we're in great shape. You know, we're not going to solve everything in the physical, you know. We might have a great awakening, but we might still be carrying a, a, an affliction or an illness that we can't seem to heal. And I, I, I wouldn't stress on that because I think a lot of people, you know, start to panic, like, well, what do I do about this? And it's, you know, the physical will catch up with, with consciousness. Consciousness moves a lot quicker. And we, you, we just have to be patient and understand that we're infinite beings and we're much more than just this particular life experience. But I think that takes us into reincarnation and sometimes that challenges people's belief. Reading past lives and working with past lives has opened me up to it. But So I think we really need to look at our lifestyle. And I think the best way to begin is, what do we do when we first wake up in the morning? You know, what are our beliefs? You know, what do we put into our bodies? You know, where, where do we allow stress to get into us? And are we pushing ourselves too much? Are we trying to keep up with that nine-to-five job? Do we like our job even? Do we um, feel like we're stuck in something we can't get out of? And just really, like, take an assessment of your life. And, you know, you can just take any given week to really just do this work or just any given day and just pay attention to it moment to moment. You know, where um, do you find your energy starting to get drained or where you start to feel exhaustion? Where do you feel inspiration? Where do you feel resentment? You know, and, and start to really get to know yourself based on what's unfolding in front of you. And what we tend to see is that the stuff that we don't really like is imposed on us. That's what I would consider artificial, where... Um, it's overlaid or projected onto us as a demand that we need to do it. You know, and then there's, you know, what's realistic, which is, okay, well, we have to feed ourselves. You know, nobody's demanding that we do, but maybe the way in which we do it has been an overlay, something we might have been raised to believe or, but we have all the options in the world out there, so we have to, you know, push the envelope a little bit. So anyway, I think just being very hyper-analytical to start off with, but not to continue with, gives us the framework and gives us, you know, the information that we need to work with. So okay. if we say, okay, I have to wake up and go to this job I don't like, well, okay, that might be something that you want to change to allow your lifestyle to feel like it's taking care of you and nurturing you more because that's organic. It's like you're in the flow, you know, you're doing things that are in agreement to what your body needs. You're serving those needs by, you know, creating the changes that you need to create in order to, have health and well-being and a certain level of balance. We're not going to be able to achieve balance if we're burned out, if we're not eating well, if we don't get enough sleep, and if we're answering to friends that we don't really resonate with or if we're answering to a boss we don't really like. And, um, and you know, we have to ask ourselves, too, the quality of the relationships we're in. Are we feeling like we can fully be ourselves or do we feel criticized? Do we feel judged? Do we feel comfortable in our own skin? You know, those kind of questions. So, lifestyle and our relationship with ourselves and the type of relationships that we have, if we just take a good look at it and we start to see what really is working and what really isn't, then we're not so much in the fog of it all or the static or the chaos, just trying to, you know, get through a day. We're, you know, starting to, you know, give ourselves a little bit more credit and saying, hey, you know, make it work for you. You know, you don't have to keep those friends. You don't have to stay stuck in this relationship. You don't have to alter yourself to make somebody else happy or yourself happy, you know, and, and, you know, you can find another job, you know, but because we don't want to, you know, just cut it all off completely because we have these revelations, we can begin to wean ourselves off these things by starting to focus on our intentions, our visions, and our dreams, and 
you know, maybe write it down on a piece of paper because the more our creative energy and our creative channels knows what we want to see manifest, the more it's going to serve us. But if we don't take the time to make it clear, it's just going to be very scattered and, you know, it's going to manifest whatever we have our attention on. So if we're feeling blocked and insecure, it's going to supply us more reasons to feel that way. If we're feeling resentment, you know, we're, you know, it just kind of keeps us locked in the loop because that's the instructions we're giving it. You know, I hate my life. I, you know, kind of stuff. Um, but yet we're not taking action. We're expecting something to just, you know, maybe fix itself. Um, and so it's really about what instructions are we operating from. Are they our own instructions? Are they things that we have fallen into because we were born into it, but really deep down we're not in agreement to it? And start to, you know, look at what we want. And also keep in mind integrity and also being of service. You know, we don't want to all of a sudden, like, you know, oh, I want all the money in the world and just, you know, and, like, I mean, we got to be realistic and balanced, of course, you know, that serving others, serving the self in the highest of ways, though, because that's going to create the most ultimate sense of health and well-being. Um, and so I think, yeah, when we, you know, just really pay attention and we are willing to start to make the adjustments we need to make, then we start to see that our world shifts and we become happier people. I've done this a hundred times in my life, so I know it works. I've taken an assessment. I actually do on a regular basis. And I just ask myself, you know, what's working and what's not working? And the things that aren't working, I create new visions and dreams and, and, and goals in order to, you know, fix those things, heal those things, and to find solutions or to, you know, allow my creative energy to be infused with what that dream and vision is because what that's going to do is it's going to help my third eye or my um, perceptions to locate the magic and synchronicities that are going to help that to unfold. If I've got my attention on feeling frustrated and stuck, I'm only going to gravitate to the things that remind me of it. So when we, you know, set the intentions, we feel a little lighter because we know that we've already put something in our internal GPS. So we know that we're going to naturally get the cues in our outer world to help us to manifest those things. You know, but we have to be a little bit patient. But if we don't put anything in our internal GPS, you know, like instructions or goals and visions and dreams, then we're just driving all over the place and everything's a lot more about the randomness rather than the synchronicities in the flow. And that's where I think we can really move into the organic experience. And, and to me, organic is, you know, is it true to you? Does it resonate with the body? Does it allow healing? And anything less than that, you know, is something that really we aren't in sync with, but we're pushing ourselves to try and be in sync with. And we end up, you know, creating physical symptoms. We end up maybe feeling, you know, emotional, like, turmoil, you know, a lot of ups and downs. Maybe we feel, you know, scattered mentally. And um, so the greatest medicine, I think, is just to create changes. You know, instead of, you know, go on a drug to medicate something that, you know, might just mean you, that was just a change that you needed to make that you didn't make. And so you let yourself, you know, stay stuck in a patterning that makes you feel like you're sick when really it's just about us being empowered to make the adjustments we need to make. And some of us are raised where, you know, our parents say, oh, you can't do that, or, you know, oh, that's stupid, you shouldn't be doing that. And so we also have to, you know, look deep within ourselves, you know, what, what is the block? You know, what, what, what is taking away the permission? You know, what, what, what are we falling back on that tells us we can't do it? And then try and clear that if possible. Well, I, I, I love that you're saying all of this. I mean, it just really is clear, and I love the internal GPS. <laughs> that's a, a great symbol. Um, Great analogy. And I understand now what you mean by discernment, really trying to look at your life and discerning what works and what doesn't. And 
the intention to make the changes. It, it all sounds really, really good. You do it on a regular basis, so you really, you know, you, you walk the talk, which <laughs> is great. Um, and I'm sure you've learned so much in your own journey that you're helping others that come to you because they'll say, oh, I have an issue with this, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, well, I have that too, right? <laughs> you can, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I have that too similar in my work so and it helps I think having the experience and it seems like you've been doing it a long time so you have a lot of experience which is great well how would you define maybe the higher self or the soul you've talked about the soul a lot thing that you said and something I listened to about the blueprints of the soul mind and how we or the soul and how we tend to neglect things we can't see because of these blueprints does that sound familiar right. yes so I think the best way to answer, um, you know, basically the difference between the soul and the spirit, you mean? Um, I mean, we, we're on a soul journey. I mean, we could, could almost look at it like our soul is like on a trail and then there's trail markers, you know. What direction are we going in? And the thing is, in the smaller picture, we have different directions that we're going in. You know, we might, you know, move more into our creativity and develop that more. We might move more into like, you know, something that's more career-orientated that um, has to do with being influential to humanity. Um, I mean, we're all called to move in certain directions because, you know, it might be something that we haven't engaged in for a while and to have ultimate balance is to, you know, just kind of have that full experience where we're developed in all different areas. And so very often the soul takes us into the areas that have not been very developed or that we haven't touched upon in a while. Um, and there's something in the astro chart called North and South Node. The South Node connects to what we came in with. The North Node connects to the best direction we can be going in. But they're opposite each other. So it's kind of like a radical leap. But it helps us to you know, reach that next level of experience. And if we're not connected to our deeper soul journey, though, it's very easy to get lost in, you know, just the expectations that we're raised under, you know, what our parents wanted us to do for a living, what society expects from us. Um, and, you know, maybe the things that we focus on most are, okay, you know, having a lot in our bank account. So we think more about, okay, what job makes good money versus doing what we really love. You know, the ultimate is to do what we love to do and create abundance. And we have to understand that there's a different form of abundance that's different than the abundance that comes from a paycheck. It's the abundance of the universe. You know, the ability to manifest what you need at all times. And that connects more with the deeper soul journey, which means that if we're connected with it, we're more willing to take risks you know, in order to stay on target with, you know, who we truly are. So we might say, okay, well, even though doing what I love to do doesn't make much money, it's better than this original idea that makes a lot of money, but it might not, you know, be fulfilling. So a deeper soul journey would probably create that revelation if a person is really listening to themselves. Um, and But somebody might, you know, have had experiences where they were raised with very little and there's a lot of scarcity and poverty, and so it might be really important for them to, you know, create, you know, financial abundance to kind of, you know, see what that feels like. I mean, so it's different across the board. When we can really hear our own voice, you know, that's when we're really, you know, on the path. And so lots of events happen to help us to recenter. And those are some of the more difficult things, you know, that can happen, but also some of the blessings, you know, like what we might consider to be, you know, the ultimate partner shows up. It's an opportunity in that relationship to learn and grow but we have free will. We can decide that we're going to take it for granted or we're not going to show up the best of ourselves. And then, you know, we might 
lose the relationship, but that might be the ultimate growth we need is to experience that loss so that we wake up again to the priority. And so we're always rerouted back to the deeper soul journey. Um, and the way that it's different than spirit is spirit is like that unified field. It's like that, that infinite source of unconditional love. And, um, you know, it's always there for us to be in alignment to. But if we're not in balance with our masculine and feminine or we're not really on our soul journey, you know, it, it, it becomes more difficult to be in touch with it. It's always available to us. It's our, always linked to us. But there's, you know, like distractions or, or, or sort of a fog or like the veil that makes it hard to, you know, have that direct connection. So our soul journey for a lot of people might be to get, you know, more strongly connected with spirit. And I see that in people's charts where, you know, they might have been raised in religion and it didn't really resonate. It might have been repressive. And so they still feel a strong belief in, you know, God, but they want to kind of discover it on their own terms to feel that direct connection. Or somebody who might have followed a guru their whole life might say, you know, that only worked for so long. And then I saw the human side of him and it just really threw me off. And so they might decide to be on a more exclusive personal spiritual path. And that might be what their soul journey is calling them to do. And then they do the work. They do meditation. They might go on, you know, adventures and travels. And their soul energy can really link up to spirit. And when that happens, that's when real alchemy happens. Because we talked about soul alchemy, but I forgot to mention that, I'm really glad we're revisiting this, that, um, you know, we're made of the four elements. And we go through certain things to help us to draw in our wisdom body, to plant those seeds of light in the darkness. But the ultimate conditions in the moment to, you know, draw in spirit is to make sure that we're, you know, in balance and that we're, you know, in our humility, that we're, you know, able to receive and that we're reading the signs along the way and that we um, allow our soul journey to invite us to be the fool. You know, in the tarot deck, the fool card is the zero card and it's the closest to God's horse, but it's really about the divine innocence, like of a child. You know, it's not about doing it perfectly. But it's about, you know, being able to fall down and get back up again and have no judgment about it. You know, wipe yourself off and, you know, learn from it and keep moving on. You know, we sit there and we hold on to judgment and we hold on to guilt. And that can get in our way, you know, connecting to source, even though we feel like we have to repent. And it seems like a spiritual thing to do. You know, sometimes it gets us off track. I mean, it's good to be conscious and a little bit of guilt's not bad because it helps us to self-correct and learn a lesson. But if we persist in it and we don't bounce back and get our divine innocence back and forgive ourselves, then we can, you know, kind of, you know, fall into a trap. And so I would say the soul takes us on a journey. The spirit is always available to us. And a lot of the soul journey has to do with making that direct connection and that we go through all sorts of experiences that teach us and enrich us and help us to see the difference between maybe losing touch with that connection and finding that connection. And when we really get a grip on that, I think we're truly embodying wisdom, and we can really share useful things to each other to help keep our, you know, each other on track. You know, maybe just, you know, a great phrase or just like a little pearl of wisdom that that person says, oh, my God, thank you. You know, I needed that in this moment. And it can be like a snap of the fingers. And so, you know, we're never really off our path or disconnected from spirit, but we can get ourselves into all sorts of muddles, you know, that make life really uncomfortable and make us feel alone or like there isn't that connection and so, yeah, I think our soul journey just, you know, guides us to a lot of epiphanies and, and revelations about what it truly means. And a lot of it is trial and error, you know, falling down and getting back up again or spending a lot of time, you know, maybe off track, which 
is, is, is useful because sometimes we have to see who we're not to remember who we are, and we have to experience it for a little while. And so I think everything at the end of the day serves us. Um, but the, the ultimate thing about our soul journey is that, you know, it's really to take us home. And I think we're all heading home, which is um, just really being embodied, you know, in our bodies, embodied in our bodies, but embodied <laughs> um, as spiritual beings without the need to get lost in, you know, what it means, because I think it's something very unique for us, but we're all connecting to the same source. It's, like you said, many roads to get to Rome, you know, many, you know, different types of, you know, rivers and creeks and water, you know, right. being carved into the land to get to the great ocean. <laughs> it, it sounds to me like you're saying uh, when you have a situation in your life that is not good, it's upheaval or something happens and you're unhappy about it, that that if we look at it like, oh, you know, this is a terrible thing and oh my God, you know, and fall into kind of the emotionalizing of it rather than saying, oh, this is an opportunity. It shows I'm out of balance. I'm, I've stepped away from being connected to spirit. Let me use this as an opportunity. I don't do, I don't say this exactly in my work, but it's very similar. And, but I'm trying to put, summarize what you say that when you get yourself in those situations, it's time to get back and regroup and maybe go back into, you know, one of those self-assessment places. And so you'd look at these things happening to you as almost a positive thing. This is an opportunity to yes. regroup. There's a long way around to try to say that, but you, that is what you're saying. I'm, I'm getting it right. Correct. Definitely. And that's, I would say, um, the best, experiences that have helped me to grow the most are the ones that were the most challenging. You know, the breakups, the um, just some of the difficult, just shocking events that caused me to have to move or say goodbye to a job or, you know, the things that just ended that I wasn't ready to end. You know, I, I learned to realize, like, my conscious mind doesn't know everything, you know, and, and, and we're not always going to get our way, but we have our unconscious self, we have our higher self, and there's other forces at work they're giving us exactly what we need, and if we don't trust that, we're going to have a lot of judgment about our experiences. We're going to have positive and negative experiences, but both, you know, serve us. I mean, sometimes people have it easy, and, and say they come into money, and, and we see how people abuse what we would consider to be blessings. They take it for granted. They exploit people. You know, they get really big in their ego. And so it's not always good to have nothing but good experiences because it can get to somebody's head. You know, so we also have to see the balancing act in this, experience of duality that, you know, sometimes the negative experiences bring us to humility and help us to be receptive and help us, you know, to also realize that um, we're in a world that teaches us, you know, yes and no, right and wrong, good and bad, success and failure. And so what might appear to be an adversity is actually very often a blessing, you know, like, wow, good thing that relationship ended because now you're ready to meet, you know, your real soulmate or somebody who's going to be really good to you or, you know, if there's an injury, you know, maybe you needed to take a time out and just get away from everything and just be in a process, you know, maybe that's the trigger to go into the dark night of the soul, which is a powerful initiation. If we can't create the time for ourselves and it's really necessary that we go into that, you know, place and yes, we kind yes. of signed up for it on a soul level saying, okay, I'm definitely needing this experience. If we keep ignoring it, sometimes we have to manifest crisis to make sure that we pick up, you know, something that's necessary. Yes. So I always say do the inner work and pay attention to yourself so that you don't need to manifest an outward crisis to remind you of it. You know, and the thing is, like, physical pain or just symptoms of the body are messengers. We tend to label it and call it a condition, which makes us feel like, you know, we're not really healing. Instead, we're sick. When actual 
in actual fact, our symptoms are what's helping us to heal because it helps us to tune in and ask our bodies, okay, well, why are you showing up this way? What, what's the message? Once we get the message, we start to heal. So it's actually an invitation to heal just as adversity is an opportunity to get to a whole new level of one's life. You know, it, it's just like the launching pad, you know, and right. it creates endings, but endings, there's always new beginnings. The tough stuff is maybe a diagnosis of cancer or losing a loved one or getting an injury, but, you know, we have ultimate resource of, you know, our infinite imagination, our infinite powers of creativity, our ability to manifest miracles, our ability to regenerate and pretty much turn anything around. Some challenges are bigger than others, but, you know, I just look at it as a more complicated puzzle. If you like puzzles, you know, it can actually be a fun process. It doesn't have to be doom and gloom and suffering. So when I've, you know, been compromised or felt myself in really challenging situations, I looked at it like, oh, my God, okay, I'm being challenged with this huge puzzle. And, I, and I'm just, you know, I do love puzzles, and I do love, you know, trying to figure stuff out. So, okay, I'll take the challenge. And, and it's always worked out. You know, even things that people wouldn't ever, you know, people can't even imagine how I bounce back from certain things. You know, um, right, right. things that, you know, kick a lot of people's butt. And, you know, it's just the perspective. It's just being open to, you know, not being in duality of is it a success or failure, but saying, you know, it's showing up for a reason, and I'm open to understanding why and how and and, and unfolding into a greater potential because of it. Yes. Well, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting because it sounds like you've really found the way by doing these self-assessments, you found a really good technique and a way to turn these things around to work for you and move you more more that you want to become. Um, and, I mean, I'm just so excited that my listeners are hearing this because it really, it's very similar to my work, and so they're hearing from another voice. <clears throat> oh, good. Yeah, they're going to love it. To hear somebody else saying, it's like as a parent, you can tell your kid is this something, you know, over and over, but the minute they hear it from their friend or from their teacher, they can actually hear it for the first time, even though you've said it before, you know? And so, oh, totally. So the fact that it, what you're saying is just validating all that I'm trying to share, uh, and you, you're so articulate and you explain it in such a great way, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, me too. I'm so grateful to be here, and I definitely feel the resonance, and it's, and I love it. It, it feels so good, and yeah, it's going to be great to connect with you at Contact and, you know, listeners, you know, who are able to come. I definitely love you to come up and say hi and that you, you, you heard the show and that's how you got there. That'd be awesome. And yeah, so this is wonderful. Oh gosh, we've covered so much. It's been one of my favorite interviews because you, you touch upon everything that I love to talk about. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I mean, we, we, we really, you know, the- gotten into some great stuff. Um, I, I have something here that I, I love this, that you, you talk about belief systems that are a form of mind control. A lot of my work is to to dissolve the belief system, so, but I've never used those terms as a form of mind control. Do, do you, would you like to talk about that, or is there anything else? Yeah, and that's a very heavy word when you think about it. It's like, ouch. Like, God, but so but it, is like a, it is like mind control. So, I mean, I can understand. So what, what, what would you say about all of that? I think, you know, there is specific mind control that is done on purpose, you know, social engineering and just ways to manage the masses. And it's just, you know, just it's just kind of like what this free will universe is all about. Like, you know, people experimenting with power, you know, sometimes the wrong use of power, sometimes the right use of power. And uh, the wrong use of power, I would say, is manipulation and control. 
Um, sometimes, though, I think it's needed to be implemented to keep chaos from happening. You know, maybe the initial intent was, you know, to keep everybody just sort of stable, and if everybody's thinking the same way, then it's not going to be, like, you know, mayhem. Um, but there are some things that have taken it, you know, way further than that, and I addressed this in some of my talks um, that have to do with specific, you know, mind control agendas. Um, but all that aside, I mean, mind control is just the desire for somebody to have their agenda, you know, work out. You know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a major control mechanism. I mean, the idea of mind control is so that if you have a, okay, if you have a, an agenda um, and hidden motives and you'd like to see a specific outcome, that's, you know, where we see people starting to get manipulative just in our daily life. You know, I see it with friends and partners and just people. Um, nobody specific, but just in my life experience, I mean, I think we can see this. You know, our parents, you know, trying to instill things in us. You know, and we could say, yeah, that's a form of mind control, but it's a little bit different. But sometimes, you know, I think people, um, you know, when you take it too far, you're not appreciating the, sov the sovereign nature of, of, of that individual, you know, their ability to have, you know, free thinking and their own creative expression and their own uniqueness. You know, I think it's much more important to guide a soul than to try and control a soul. And so, um, and I think that's what we're being called to do is, you know, guide people instead of, you know, say, hey, you should believe this and this is how you should think. Because if I was up there saying you need to adopt my belief systems, then I'm being a hypocrite if I'm talking about mind control because I'm doing that, right? So I think, um, you know, we, we, we have to just sort of look at it that, you know, as much as we can see it in our culture and in society and in the world, we also have to, you know, check ourselves. You know, are we enabling it? Are we doing it ourselves? And um, so it's just the choice to unplug. Which is great. But you're taking this as the belief systems coming from external that people are trying to control us, uh, whether it's for good intentions or bad or parents or government or whatever. I was thinking that the, the individual's belief systems that they've brought into their life pattern in a way controls them. And that part of the assessment system is to look at what the belief systems are some of them are very so deep that we don't even question them. You know what I'm saying? So you're well, definitely. And I was just about to get into that because. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we've been. Yeah, and that's exactly what we've been touching upon too. It's like, so it's not good to be a person that tries to control others. Number one, and it's number two, not something that you have to allow. I mean, that's what having boundaries is. That's what being able to say no is. You know, we um, have the ability to choose differently than what, you know, is, is controlling us. So I think a great way to deprogram ourselves, because sometimes it's really unconscious and we don't even know it, is to look at our physical health. And if our physical health isn't okay, we need to understand why and what the root of it is and get in touch with it on a more metaphysical level because we'll see some of the things that are deeply rooted in to why our bodies are not as balanced and as healthy as we would like. And sometimes it's because we've been operating from a belief system that isn't in sync with what the intelligence of the intelligence of our body knows. Right. So, for example, if you know we're believing something, and our bodies aren't healthy, then we might need to readjust things because usually we're very healthy if our belief systems are in harmony with who we are and what the intelligence of our body is. So we play around with this a little bit with diet, you know, should we be vegan, should we eat meat, should we, you know, take these supplements, and so, you know, again, life 
experiences about trial and error um, and digging deep into our, our, our unconscious. Now, a way to guard against it is to not externalize everything so much, you know, to not follow others so much. I mean, people follow me, but they'll, I think everybody would agree if they know my work that it's not about me being on a pedestal. It's not about me giving them something from me that they need to adopt. It's about me focusing on the stuff we're talking about, which is empowerment, transformation, you know, getting more in touch with our experience here on the planet so we know what we're working with so that we're not so much in the dark. Because that's where, you know, the mind control persists. You know, we're born into something, and it takes a lot for us to step back and question all of it to begin to readjust ourselves accordingly, you know, to what really works. And so I think, you know, a lot of it's unconscious, but a lot of it, I think, um, we want somebody to do the work for us. And I think sometimes we actually sign up for it on purpose. You know, like, I'm going to join this, and the guru will tell me what to do, and um, or I'll vote this person into office, and that person will make the world a better place. And I'm not saying don't vote, but we have to take it upon ourselves to step up to the plate. And we have to, you know, really engage in this experience more, or else we'll either willingly allow ourselves to be mind-controlled, or we will unconsciously stay trapped in it. And like I said, the best way to know is to start to look at your health, start to look at your lifestyle, start to look at your relationships. And if things aren't healthy, you know, dig a little bit deeper and maybe adjust your belief systems accordingly so that things can get healthy again. So if you believe you're not good enough or worthy, your relationships aren't going to thrive. But if you step back and say, okay, I need some downtime, I need some time to love myself and connect with my passions and my dreams, you know, you're going to show up a lot better in a relationship. So that's a belief you don't need to hold. Um, if you believe that you should stay at home and bear children and be barefoot in the kitchen, you know, and uh, that is sort of expiring and you're starting to see that, hey, maybe that's not where it's at because you want a career, you know, your life is going to change and maybe this kind of partners you attract are going to change. You know, but, 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 but it is, it goes, it goes back to that assessment. And so there's a lot that's overlaid on us and, 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 and pushed on to us from day one. But we have to be looking at ourselves. You know, where are we willingly accepting that? Because we don't have to. Yes, yes. Ah, oh, it's all good stuff. It's all good information. Uh, it's just really terrific. And I think the physical body is a great place to start. I mean, obviously, you can start anywhere. You can start with some a bad relationship in your life or a job that's, uh, you know, really stressful. Or you can start anywhere, but the physical body is is definitely key as well. Yes, and I totally agree. Like the physical, the emotional, and that's, you know, also, yeah, our relationships, the quality of everything that we're doing. Yes. There might be some places we thrive and some places that could use adjusting. And But we're afraid at times, you know, maybe we're afraid to let go of that partner because we'd rather have an unhealthy relationship and not be alone than be alone and work out our stuff. And that's when, you know, reaching out to somebody like you um, and the kind of work you do or maybe getting a session with me, is, you know, and just seeing what's out there that can help you through those passages, you know, it's going to improve the quality of your life because why let it fester? Yes, yes, exactly. And I think today there are so many people that are really reaching out, seeking and searching, trying to find the answers, not only to the big questions, because there's certainly that too, but also the answers to, to the, you know, personal questions. How can I improve my life? And, you know, 
there's luckily many people like you and me that are also out there trying to give some of those answers, trying to help. And it isn't about saying, oh, you have to believe me, that, you know, I'm the only one, you know, no one else has all the answers. You know, clearly you and nor me do that. Clearly, as I was saying earlier, there's something for everyone. And wherever that person is at the moment, they're going to be resonating with different paradigms, different modalities, different whatevers different information, but at least there's so much of this information available out there because unless people hear about it, they don't know it exists. So that doesn't, it doesn't become part of their choice, you know? Exactly. Totally. And that's, that's, that's what, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's such a good point. Um, and so that's what's great about, you know, making ourselves available. And, and it's the same thing too with how we attract people. If it's all about our appearance and we're just kind of dolling ourselves up and we're trying to seduce somebody to us, is that really authentic? Are we going to have a healthy relationship? Just like if we're in a position of leadership, does it really help for people to give their power to you and to lose touch with themselves? I mean, no. you know, it's like we all want to heal. We all want everything to be healthy and instant gratification is not where it's at or feeding the ego because ultimately we're going to want to fall back on something with more substance. Yes, yes, totally. To wind up, what would you like to talk about? We've touched on a lot of stuff, so it's sort of hard to know, isn't it? Yes, um, I mean, I think it's, you know, just to continue to expand upon what we're sharing, um, because the other stuff, you know, really all comes back to this. This is the most foundational stuff and and the best stuff to be talking about. and, and I think, you know, there's something about pushing the envelope or getting out of our comfort zone. And I think it's important to distinguish between, you know, getting out of our comfort zone and, 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 and doing something that we don't really want to do because we think we need to do it compared to getting out of our comfort zone by doing something that we really want to do and giving ourselves permission to do it and to give it a shot. You know, there is more synchronicities and more magic that shows up when you're true to you than any other time. And when I, you know, really committed fully and completely to my mission, and to really, you know, just put it out there, it's like everything lined up in ways that it never did before. Before, it was like, it was more about the signs, like, you have to do this, you know, encouraging me to, you know, pursue it in a more public way. Right. Um, or, you know, the times where I was, you know, being encouraged to go deep inside and maybe step away from friends and socializing and to be more low profile, you know. It's like, you know, pay attention to the themes that keep showing up and, you know, really trust yourself. I mean, I think we listen to people's opinions too much and, and, or we let people's projections hang in our energy field and we push ourselves to do things and we think, you know, maybe it's, 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 it's good, but it might be crossing a boundary and it might actually, you know, throw us into a, 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 something that we don't want. And I mean, I, I think, um, if we're afraid of something, you know, and, and I think we're in a, sort of a fear-based world where a lot of what we do is fear-based, you know, just to give us more assurance and reassurance and insurance, you know, that, <laughs> you know, we're taken care of and that's good. But so that we don't live in a vibration of fear, though, I think, you know, it's really about celebration and joy and um, just allowing yourself um, to explore yourself more. I think travel is a great way to trigger, you know, more self-knowledge and self-awareness, Um just to get yourself out of the daily routine and just what you've grown accustomed to, um, you know, I think it, you know, is really good. And right. I think fear serves us to a certain degree because it helps us to be cautious. It helps us to protect ourselves. But, you know, I, I, I really feel like, you know, in this shift time that we're in right now, um, 
I, I feel like a victory has already been won, and we're we're really like in a good place. And I'm just looking for more, you know, celebration and just more acknowledgement of that because. Kind of like even if you don't feel it, you can fake it till you make it. If you right, really right. energize something, you tend to grow into it, whether it's positive or negative. I mean, that's kind of how creativity works. Right. Can I ask you something? For those people who are listening, that it's easy to say we're fear-based and, and we want to live from joy and, and, and not come from that fear place, but some people carry really deep fears of different whatevers. What would you recommend for people like that to try to move out of the fear-based approach to life? Well, first we have to identify it. We might have fear of intimacy. We might have fear of, you know, swimming because we had an accident when we were younger. We might have fear of um, Armageddon or catastrophes happening on the planet. We might have fears of, you know, some of the conspiracy stuff we might read. We might have fears of um, all sorts of things. So I think we need to identify what it is. Okay. And then ask ourselves, okay, is this something we need to overcome or is this something we need to avoid? Now, we don't necessarily need to go swimming again if we had an accident, but we might want to, you know, work on just finding a comfort level with it again if it's important, particularly if we live near water and it's in our face all the time. If we live in the desert, hey, maybe it's something we don't need to get over. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding. But, you know, it's it, like fear of intimacy. We don't want to carry that forever, I would think. So... How can we overcome that? Well, I think, you know, right off the bat, you have to be authentic with the people you're in front of. You can't pretend you're somebody else just to win their heart because it's not about the numbers. It's not about, you know, feeling wanted. I mean, even though sometimes we think it is, that's sort of the default based on an insecurity. We have to, like, really, like, you know, make ourselves worthy and know that we are worthy no matter what we've been through and what we've come up, you know, you know how, how our belief systems might say otherwise. We just have to claim it and say, I am you know, worthy of being healthy and whole and having a beautiful relationship. So what I do with people that are in fear of intimacy who might be in relationships where nothing but drama and arguments play out because somebody's running away from the other or they're acting out in weird ways and there's game playing, you know, because there's really a fear there that is covered up through behaviors that cover it and pretend it's something else, you know, is right from the get-go to be authentic, you know. And if you feel the need to interrogate, you know, because you want to know more about that person's background to feel safe because you went through something traumatic in the past. We really just got to be ourselves, but we also have to, you know, respect that other person's boundaries and, you know, stay in integrity. You know, I think it's really the GPS thing, you know. Like, if you have a fear and you want to conquer that fear, come up with, you know, some ideas of, you know, how you might give yourself um, more of what you deserve. And if you want a good relationship... It's not going to happen if you are afraid of being yourself. Because really what I think we fear more than anything else is ourselves. And it manifests in fear of relationships, fear of intimacy, fears of all, all this other stuff. So we have to identify our fears and then say, okay, I'm going to map out something that allows me the opportunity to get to know myself more and love myself more. Because to me, fear is an unrealized potential. It means we're afraid of something in ourselves that we don't think is there. And when we face it, we uncover the fact that, yes, it is there. You know, we just have to kind of break through it. So, um, but then there's some things that we might fear that aren't right for us. You know, like somebody might say, oh, you should be like into polyamory and you might fear it. I would not go explore it because you're afraid of it. I would say, hey, I have a boundary and allow it to work for you because that's a very appropriate boundary. 
you know, and so I think there's a difference between the things we fear that aren't right for us that we should honor as something we shouldn't partake in because it doesn't feel right and where our fears are getting in the way of our passions and our dreams that stop us in our tracks. And I think it's real obvious the distinction is. If we're fearing something experimental, we probably shouldn't do it. If we're fearing something that we really want to do, we need to, like, really step into the zone of um, knowing that the best way we can handle it is to be a little bit more transparent, to be authentic, to not be ashamed of it, to bring it out a little bit more, because when it hides in the shadows, it, it gets worse. So, like, for example, when I started to be really true to myself when it came to relationship, I said flat out, you know, what I'm looking for, what I can and cannot handle. I interrogated it as I saw necessary while still being respectful. And now I'm in a really beautiful relationship because there was no misunderstanding from the get-go. Nice. And then there are people who are scared away, but I'm glad they got scared away because it would have been a breakup later. <laughs> right. I get you. I get you. That's, well, that's... Yeah, being authentic, being yourself, it's hard, I think, for people to step forward and and to own who they are and to trust that they won't get rejected or, you know, you know that whole thing of wanting to be liked and all of that. It's hard for people, but I love your approach. Um, you acknowledge that it's hard, but you also emphasize how important it is. And uh, have you had good, you know, good uh, results with this kind of approach? I would think you would. It's the only thing that's worked. I've tried, you know, other things just more out of default, you know, the desire to want to be accepted, my own fears of abandonment and not being loved. You know, I wouldn't say I was fake, but I certainly held back my truth. And I kind of gave the person the benefit of the doubt and assumed, okay, you know, I'll just figure that, you know, they're, they're, they're trustworthy. Um, Sometimes we see the best in a person, but they haven't grown into those shoes yet. So I think, you know, we don't want to overwhelm the person and, you know, say everything right off the bat. But I would, you know, definitely keep people at arm's length until they prove worthy to get close to you. But because we have fears of abandonment and we want to be loved, sometimes we rush into it or we do what we feel that person would want us to do so that we're liked. And we just have to find other outlets to experience love. You know, it might be being artistic or creative or playing music or going for walks in nature or playing with kids or animals, you know, things that reconnect us to our divine innocence, which helps us to connect with spirit, where the unconditional love is, you know. Right. If we rely on another person to give us that, um, you know, that's when we start to create, you know, more tragedy, which ends up making things a little bit harder. But eventually people hit a wall and they're like, okay, now I'm getting it. Same <laughs> pattern, same stuff. Right. Really ready to stop this. Same with addiction. You know, it becomes a form of I need to grab something and reach out for something to make myself feel better. People do that with people. And so uh, if you notice those patterns, just say, okay, I need to find a way to love myself and, and honor my own personal relationship with self. And there's all sorts of things that we can do. And I definitely know it's hard. I've, I've, had, I've struggled with addiction. I've struggled with neediness and insecurities and fears of abandonment and the whole deal. But, you know, it's, it's really about saying, okay, I can be honest with myself. What can I do? you know, that, that is healthy, that I can, you know, make it easier for me to just be happy in my own skin and then enjoy, you know, what comes to me, which is complementary to it and in resonance with it instead of, you know, leading me astray because I'm not fully anchored in myself or willing to speak my truth. Right. The, the, the proper connection with the self and love of the self to me is bottom line, the most important thing. It's hard to get to because you have to go through this whole process that you've been talking about. But it is so key. 
Because when we love ourselves, that's what we bring in. We bring in things that reflect how we feel about ourselves, relationships that feel about us in that way, and yada, yada. I know I'm talking to the choir here, so... Well, I think it's, I love what you're saying, though. I mean, because just like with you, it's confirming. And um, I think, you know, we very often look at ourselves through other people's eyes, and they might not see us accurately. And so then we forget who we are, and we don't see ourselves accurately. And then we walk around judging ourselves or not loving ourselves. You know, and it's kind of like, okay, step away from it all. They're real clear with what your passions are, what inspires you, what your fears are, and just get real comfortable with who you are and love and embrace all aspects and then when you reemerge, you'll know when somebody's projecting or when they're not accurate because you'll know the difference. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, 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 and you probably won't waste your time. You'll probably walk right past those people. But we tend to hook into the things that we need to hook into for our greater growth. You know, that's why we experience adversity or negativity. But, you know, if we can look at it as an opportunity to look at what still needs to be healed within ourselves, then we can gain from it instead of feeling like, oh, I failed again or I got stuck in the trap again. It's like, you know... Uh, that judgment stuff needs to go because it just exacerbates the original problem. But if we can see it like, oh, it's a reminder of things I need to pay attention to, you know, unhealed aspects of self, you know, then we can get right back to the drawing board and not feel, you know, like we got caught up in something terrible or something, you know, is out there harming us. You know, again, it's an opportunity. It's all about perception. Yes, yes. It's so, it's so right. You're so right on. I mean... Yeah, it's the perspective, and, and I talk about in both my books, actually, this cartoon I saw many, many years ago. It was a one-panel thing where there's a man, you see him uh, holding on to the bars of a jail cell. I don't know if you've ever seen this panel. Not sure. Anyway, and he's looking out into the, the meadow. It's beautiful with flowers, and, and he's looking at it with this huge sense of regret and just so despairing because he can't be out there. But what we see that he doesn't see is that there's no other walls of the jail. If he just turned around, he could walk right out there. Ha-ha. So, you know, I love it. as a symbol, as you know, it's what we often do. It's our belief systems. It's what locks us in to repeating these patterns over and over again. And once we are able to unlock that viewpoint or that those beliefs or those judgments, all that you've been talking about, we can then turn around and find ourselves in a completely different spot. I love it. I love it. Isn't that the greatest okay. cartoon? I saw it when I was in graduate school many years ago, and it changed my life. It really did. It was way before I got involved in this work. And it was like one of those big aha moments, and I went, oh, my God, there it is. <laughs> it spoke to me. Oh, I love it. That's great. If you see it, send it my way. I would love to see it. I haven't seen it since that day in class that somebody oh. showed it, but I talk about it. I don't know who did it. I, I have no one to credit for for it, you know, but I talk but you're about passing it. it along. I'm passing it along because it's, <laughs> it's exactly what we do to ourselves. Um, we create our, our own boxes out of these kind of viewpoints and judgments and beliefs. Yeah. So, okay, well, listen, thank you so much, Laura. I can't wait to meet you, and it's going to be soon. I mean, it's only, what, a couple of weeks? No, three weeks maybe, till the expo, Contact in the Desert, everybody, you listeners, just so you know, it's in jo- again, I want to repeat, it's in Joshua Tree on the 29th, 30th, and 31st of... May 
Joshua Tree, California, and Laura Eisenhower is going to be there. She's going to be giving um, a lecture on Friday from one, no, from two to three, and a workshop on Saturday at 1.30 that goes an hour and 15 minutes. If you missed all the topics, you can just listen to the beginning of the show again, and you can tune in and find out what it's going to be, but it, it promises to be really interesting. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it, and uh, I really can't wait to meet you. And just thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Oh, it's I'm so happy to. It's been great. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, good. Uh, so I'll see okay, you in a few bye. weeks. Okay, bye-bye. Laura is very has very similar viewpoints that I do, so it was very it was easy to make a connection with her. Anyway, I've got to go. Their time is running out. Thank you, thank you for joining me, and I will be back next week. I hope with Mark Peebler, who's called Doctor Dream, and Contact in the Desert, May 29th, 30th, and 31st, in Joshua Tree, California. Thanks, thanks so much, guys. Love all you listeners, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Okie doke. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.